This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Age Changers show. And it is our mission uh, through this show and through this program uh, to elevate the vision of the church so that you see your identity in Christ through the framework of God's eternal purpose. We also want to equip believers to live their life and their identity uh, with an eternal perspective, that you will not live it just for the now, for the temporal and the transient, but you will make your life count and uh, for eternity. You will leave a fruit that remains, and that is the promise that Jesus said, those of us that abide in Christ will bear forth a fruit, and that fruit will remain. I love what Jesus said to Martha as he was trying to uh, talk her down from the ledge where she had had this spiritual meltdown. And he was reflecting on the choice of Mary to set at his feet versus Martha's response to try to, uh, you know, earn Jesus's approval through her performance. And he said, Mary has chosen the best portion the best part, and that can never be taken away from her. You know, if we engage and interface with eternal things, eternal truths, uh, those things will transform us, not just for a moment, but for eternity. And it can never be changed. It it can never be reversed. We can never take a step backwards. Once God has done something, he has done it, and we are changed by that experience. So we encourage people to live your life for eternity, not for time. And the last thing is we want to encourage believers to live supernatural lives of faith-filled obedience. Uh, The American church or the Western church is a church that has been educated way above the level of their obedience. And so we know a lot about a little but then we, we don't do a whole lot with it. And uh, we, we stay within the lines of the American lifestyle. And so we limit our obedience and we try to compensate for our lack of obedience by, by religious offerings and sacrifices. Uh, but God is calling the church higher. God is calling the church deeper. He wants us to get outside of our boat and to obey him obey his voice daily. And when we obey his voice, it becomes a faith journey. It becomes a faith lifestyle. And I call it a God-sized life where we have to rely upon God and his power uh, to take us where we can't go in our own strength. And to me, that's the definition of grace. Grace empowers us to do the things that we could not do in our own strength or in our own divine ability or in our own ability. It requires the divine ability of God. It it requires the grace of God to intervene in, in moments of our life to take us to places that we couldn't get by our own strength. And so we wanna encourage you to get outside the box, get outside the boat and to become a water walker, to become an age changer and that's the purpose of, of these episodes and this podcast. Okay, where we've been 
in the last few episodes is I've, I've been doing a, a new series and this new series we wanted to encourage and to equip us on how we interact with truth because we don't want it just to be rational I don't want to have my Christian experience be a form of Christian rationalism where it's all in my head and it's about knowing a lot of things about God and this is the danger for many Christians because we have and we literally live in a day where you can have what Paul said to the Corinthian believers he said you have 10,000 instructors and I believe he was speaking in hyperbole um, you know that you can have thousands upon thousands of teachers but not many spiritual fathers and, and mothers. And, and the, the contrast between a teacher and a spiritual parent is that parents do life with you. They impart life. They share a shared lifestyle with you. Uh, teachers can just communicate information about a topic and you're left on your own to figure it out, whether that knowledge and that information is usable. It's really up to you to, to try to figure it out on your own. And so we live in a day where literally you could listen to podcasts all day long. You could watch and engage in social media and hear great knowledge about many subjects. And you can absolutely do nothing about it. All you're doing is you're inflating your brain. <laughs> you're inflating your knowledge. And Paul told the Corinthians, knowledge apart from a, 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 a spiritual interaction with it to where it's applied, interpreted and applied into your life and translated to a faith that becomes active and then lived out in obedience before God, actually embodying the will of God, the word becoming incarnate in you. Uh, actually, all it does is it elevates your opinion of yourself. It inflates uh, a part of us that is not good. It inflates our ego. And it causes us to think that we're better than others. It causes us to say, I know more than you. But really, uh, a knowing is not just about having the information. A true knowing again, is an experiential knowing. So today, I want to just kind of um, move through this quickly, and I want to talk about as Christ renews us with renewal knowledge, and he is empowering us and enabling us to live out what he's given to us, uh, how he's making us and transforming us and leading us to where he's taking us, how can I interact with it and make the most of every encounter with truth? Every truth should lead us to a place of encounter. Every truth should lead us into experience, an experience with the person of Jesus Christ. How, how do I do that? To where I'm not just going through a Bible reading plan and I, I'm not just going through you know a time period for prayer. And I, I think... Having a period of time for prayer is important and having a, a Bible reading program is important. But if you're just reading just to read or if you're just praying just to pray, no, I, I want to worship unto encounter. 
I want to read unto encounter. I would rather read two verses in the scripture and have the Holy Spirit reveal Christ to me in those two verses than reading 200 chapters of the Bible. Jesus said this to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day. He said, you read the scriptures and in them you think you have eternal life. You're going to find out how to live forever by reading the Bible. And he said, but they testify of me. You can actually read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and totally miss the message of the Bible. You can totally miss the Messiah that the, the intent and the purpose of God in giving us the scripture was to reveal to us the coming of the Messiah, to reveal to us the Messiah when he has come, and to reveal what Messiah has done for us. And so I know many, many Christians that read the Bible and it's not lead, leading them into life transformation. But yet they feel somewhat good about that, hey, I read the Bible again through this year. Um, we have got to move away from some of the superficial little, I checked the box of reading my Bible. And, you know, uh, when I was in Bible school, we learned a, a principle uh, called soap and, and we did devotions and it was about reading a scripture and making an observation and coming up with an ap application and then doing a little prayer. And, and you know, it was kind of like a little routine that we ritualized and it did help me uh, study the Bible some. But listen, you can have a whole journal filled with your soap <laughs> scriptures, obs observation applications, and prayers, and it not lead to you being transformed. You can, you can have a whole library filled with those journals. But, but the thing of it is, did Jesus come to you through his word? As the living word, did he appear in his scriptures? And did he speak to you and you received it, believed it, and then you were changed by it. So let's get into how we interact so that I experience Christ in his word. Truth can be revealed that leads to transformation. Well, I just said three things that I hope you caught. When truth is spoken or truth is revealed, it first must be believed. I have to believe what someone is saying to me. And there is an inherent remnant of, of unbelief and doubt that we have that has been introduced to us that goes all the way back to the fall. Because that was the original temptation that Adam and Eve experienced. Satan introduced a doubt in their mind and he said, did God say? And is this really what God means? And so, as I said in the last, last episode, Jesus is washing his bride with renewal truth, and he's speaking to us. He has spoken, but he is speaking, and his preceding words over us. He, he is cherishing us. He is nourishing us. Well, sometimes what Jesus says to me, as I compare it to how I perceive myself, how I 
view and have a perspective of my life experience at that moment, I want to say, Jesus, your observation, your perspective, your words, that your, your opinion that you're sharing about me does not relate to how I feel about myself. So sometimes when Jesus comes to us and, and says to us, my son or my daughter, I love you. And, 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 you know, that is comprehensible that Jesus in his kindness and in his character, that he would affirm us as his children and would love us with loving words. That is something that's consistent with his character. But it's amazing in my prayer life as I am positioning my heart to hear, if I hear something like that and he is saying to me, son, I love you and I want you to know that I, I love you and that I, I value our relationship and that I'm proud of who you're becoming in me that my initial reflex, emotional and mental reflex, is I want to say that can't be God. I'm making that up because I know my frailty and my weakness. No, the first thing that I have to, I have to, when it comes to orienting my life around the truth of God's word, is I have to believe that God has said what he has said and that when he said it, he did not lie to us. God is not a liar. I heard a teaching one time, and, and it really stood out to me. And, and the guy that was teaching, he was talking about how that when God was making a covenant with Abraham and making covenant promises to Abraham, that it says that God not only spoke the promises of the covenant, but he had to affirm the promises by swearing uh, by an oath. And, and normally an oath is something that we do to double down to guarantee a promise to somebody. And so normally we make an oath uh, because we're, we're human beings and we're flawed human beings. And, and normally we want to reassure somebody that what we've said we're going to do or we're gonna keep that commitment and, and we, will, we will make an oath, we'll make a promise. And normally we attribute that promise and being able to complete it or do it to something that is more powerful than ourselves saying that, that you know, God will help me keep this word. And so we go, I promise you, I swear to God. In other words, I'm gonna be accountable to God uh, and be held accountable before God if I don't do this promise. And so really when you read about God making an oath to Abraham and him swearing by himself, we go, why did God have to do something like that? Because the scripture says God could not swear to anyone greater because God is God. He's the ultimate source of power. He's the ultimate promise giver and the ultimate promise keeper. So why would God feel motivated to have to swear an oath to Abraham? Well, one simple fact, he was talking to a person that was a liar and that Abraham had said things that he couldn't deliver on. There were moments of temptation where 
Abraham distorted the truth and he lied and he misrepresented things. And so when you know your weakness and your vulnerability to be a truth speaker and a truth keeper yourself, you need assurances that the person that is giving you a promise is not like the person that you are. And so God assured Abraham's heart, that man who was imperfect and had not been a total truth keeper himself. God said to Abraham, these are my promises to you. And I swear by myself that I will keep them. In other words, God says, as truly as I live, says the Lord. It, it, for me not to fulfill this word to you, Abraham, I will have to cease to exist. And you know that's not possible because I have the power of an endless life. I'm all powerful. I'm the almighty God. And there is no limit to my life. There's no limit to my existence. And so the first thing to interact with truth is that I have to believe it. I have to say, God, what you say is true. And therefore, I will not question it. I will not doubt it. I will not reject it. But then the next step is I learn to receive it personally. I personalize it. Because then sometimes what we do is we go, okay, God, it is consistent with your character to say something like this to me, that I, I love you. Well, I can believe that God says that he loves people because God is love. He is loving and he loves in a pure way. And so I do believe that he loves and he loves people. And I believe that he loves this person and that person and this person. And he can love everyone, but I struggle with whether he could say that to me. So we move from believing that God says things like he's revealed in the scripture, but then I have to personalize it that he would say something like that to me. I have to believe and I have to receive it that it is for me and I receive it as my own. And so it allows me to say, God, not only do you love people in a generic way and that you love us because you have to love us because God, you are love. No, I understand that God desires to love me, that God wants to show his love to me. He wants to, to in my whole entire life and everything that surrounds my life, he wants to make it a love message towards me and that I can, I can look around my life and I can see how he is writing this love story to reveal and to prove and to show his love for me. Not just in his death, but in his ongoing resurrection and ascended life, he is still demonstrating his love towards us, Paul said. We know that while I was yet a sinner, he showed up in time and space and revealed his love by dying but the story, the love story doesn't stop there. It says, no, that in his resurrection life and the life that he now continues to live, he lives that life so that we can share in this love story, the love story of God. Now, the last thing that I want to 
finish today on and then we're going to move on from here is the last thing is not only do I need to believe that God says and means what he says and I need to personalize it, receive it as my own. But then the final thing is that I need to engage and I need to interact with it in prayer. And that's where we're going to end and we'll pick it up in the next episode in how we engage the truth of God in prayer. Bless you. I hope you've enjoyed it today and join us in the next episode of the Age Changer Show. Go out and be an age changer. Change the world uh, for the kingdom of God, for the king and his kingdom. Bless you. Bye. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.